Hi, I'm Leah Wheatholter, owner of Workman Forensics, and this is the Investigation Game Podcast. Hey everyone, Alicia here with a super cool announcement. Starting in July, we want our listeners to be a part of the show by giving us their favorite fraud stories. But we won't be reading it for you. We want you on the show. So if you'd like to be a part, email your favorite story to assistant at workmanforensics.com and we'll work together and get you on the show. Welcome to the Investigation Game Podcast. Today I'm joined by Amanda Jo Irvin. Jo is the president and founder of Audit Consulting Education, LLC, located in Denver, Colorado. After a successful career in external and internal audit, Jo is now an active internal audit strategist, management consultant, and trainer speaker, providing continuing professional education hours live and virtually to organizations across the globe. Joe is an expert in the area of ethical behavior of individuals and how to audit culture and ethics in organizations. Joe, thank you for joining me today. So welcome. I'm excited to be here. So before we get into what it means to be an ethics expert, will you share with us a little about your background? Absolutely. I would love to. So it all started when I was three years old. (laughs) Really? Yeah, really, right? This is how I start my ethics presentations. I feel like I truly owe it to my audience to know why I'm so passionate about ethics. So I tell everybody that I've literally been a tattletale all my life since I was about three years old. So my joke is that I told on my sister when she stuck out of the house. And I, of course, told the teacher when someone was cheating. That was me. I was that person. Looking back now, I call myself a really short whistleblower. That's my literally my only accounting joke that I have in my (laughs) my presentation. But now I say I'm I'm still a whistleblower. I'm just a little bit taller now. I like Uh, it. (laughs) But really, in all seriousness, I started my career after my bachelor's and master's in accounting. I went to the University of Georgia and I started at a public accounting firm, like probably many of your listeners and, and many other in our accounting or auditing field. I started at a big four accounting firm and I quickly realized that wasn't for me, perhaps even for some ethical reasons that we can divulge later if we have time. But I moved into internal audit where I spent just over a decade of my life. And throughout my career, I've also worked as an accounting controller and I've taught at K through 12 level and at higher ed. I still teach business, accounting, and auditing courses at several Colorado universities. So that's a little bit more about me. Yeah, that's great. When, when you were in public accounting, were you in audit? Were you on the audit or tax side? I was in the audit side. So I did okay. kind of the audit track through my master's and then um, have always been on the audit side. I, I always tell everybody I'm that person that might have CPA behind their name, but I don't even do my own taxes. So my family knows now not to ask me for tax advice. Uh, I am finally to that point. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Uh, So how long have you owned your consulting practice? I decided a little over two years ago that I was ready to really start influencing cultures outside of just the one organization that I had been working at. Um, So that's when I started my firm, Audit Consulting Education, LLC. And it's funny because I tell people, I feel like my career went completely full circle. I went from, you know, really hating being an external audit where you never really get to influence one company 
you're just kind of hopping from one client to the next and you are just dying for this home base. At least that's how I was. And, you know, I wanted to be at one company all the time back then to really wanting to go back and jump around from client to client. So that's when I decided a few years ago, I wanted to make a difference in more organizations again, and really try to do that through my internal audit strategy work, management consulting on risks, culture, controls, or just training staff on topics like ethics, internal audit, or personal development. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you're a business owner, and I love talking to business owners so much, what is the primary difference between what your business looked like at the beginning when compared to today? Ah, I love that question. And I would have to say it is that quantity over quality aspect that really changed for me. I think at the beginning, I wanted to take on as many clients as I possibly could. It was about the quantity. You know, I wanted to get my name out there. And of course, you know, like everyone, you want to make money when you start a business. Today, I feel like I'm lucky enough to be able to step back a bit and really be selective of who I take on as clients. So it's, it's really more about that quality. Not that I wasn't focused on that before, I promise. Sure, sure. Um, but you know, now I spend a lot of time on the education side of my business because I feel like that's how I can reach more people. I can reach thousands of auditors and finance and accounting professionals through my trainings that can then take those skills that they learn, like perhaps auditing culture back to their organizations and execute it versus me just being able to help one or two organizations at a time because I'm just one person, right? So I found that to be really the change that the shift that I've made to reach more people. Yeah, I love that. So you've earned the CPA, CIA, CFE, and I don't know the last one, CTQA. So you'll have to tell us about that. Uh, credentials, but you've got these very traditional accountant and fraud investigator, internal auditor credentials. What interested you in focusing on the area of ethics? And then also tell us about this other credential as well. Yes, I definitely will. So oh, the credentials, right? The alphabet soup behind yeah. our names, right? That everybody says. Okay. So in my ethics training, I always say we need to focus more on our eulogy virtues than our resume virtues. And we can talk more about that time uh, if there's time too. But we know still in today's world that resumes are important, unfortunately. I'd love for us to all to focus on those things we want people to remember us by, like honesty and integrity. But the resume virtues are important. I think certifications show our dedication to our field, and, and there's lots of other advantages. But we know with, with each one of those certifications comes that code of ethics that we all have to sign. And I really started to think, and after reading about a few news stories in our profession, that I think that ethics is gravely overlooked even by the professional signing them. So that's really, I wanted to bring everybody back to the basics. Um, and, and on the note of, of the big four where I started my career, you probably know, many of your listeners probably have heard of the regulatory scandal that KPMG found itself wrapped in in the last couple years. Mm -hmm. You know, just quick recap, they were found guilty of stealing regulatory data in order to use that information, that inside information about a potential client to win a bid for that client's work. Over 40 partners were aware, others were aware, and only one truly spoke up about it. And it got me truly thinking about how these individuals, professionals were signing their 
code of ethics. And to me, that's not even the best part of that story. After they were found guilty of that, the regulators mandated they take ethics training exams in response, and they were also found cheating on those too. There was evidence of partners sending answers to staff and et cetera. And I always say in my training, you cannot make this stuff up, but it makes for great ethics material. Yeah, But the bottom line to me is we all need the reminders of those ethical codes, codes of conduct, whatever they're called, no matter the profession that we sign. And it's, it's not just those involved at the debacle at, at the big four firm. There's lots of examples. And truly, that's where I feel like I, I kind of step in or come into the picture. Yeah, I like, I like that, that you said that we need the reminders. And that actually reminds me of both of us know Kelly Paxton, of course. And in one of her presentations, I think it was for the ACFE last year, she was talking about a study where essentially they were showing that we have to be reminded of those things in order to kind of like keep our, I guess I'll say true north about like where we're headed and what is black and white and what is gray. Like we have to see those things in front of us. And I just find the study that she talks about really interesting. Absolutely. And that's why companies need better ethics policies. And that's one of the things that I really harp on in my trainings, especially with auditors, Um, you know, looking at your organization, making sure that that's not a Google document that from 20 years ago, making sure that it's still relevant and that it is that reminder to employees. And, and of course, you know, it's not just having it, but it's holding people accountable and there's lots of other things that go with it. Um, but that document has been proven to really, you know, be meaningful. And I think people overlook that a lot of times. Let's go back to the other credentials. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the CTQA, um, hopefully we get to talk a little bit about some of my other um, CPE offerings. It's a certified total quality auditor credential based on a total quality auditing or TQA training that I've put together. It's also a book that I've written. And so basically, if you study how to become a total quality auditor, you do earn that CTQA designation. And I'll give you a little bit more background on that later, but it's, it's basically built on total quality management principles. So a lot of people have heard or studied TQM, whether that was back in business school or even studying for the CIA exam, you, you study about TQM. So what I did was take those principles and apply them to audit. How can we become more successful, valuable auditors within our organization. So it is a new designation, actually just started offering at the end of 2019 to all of my total quality auditing participants. And there's also a a online course that you can take on demand anytime to get that credential. So it's new and exciting. I've had so many great responses to it. And I'm just, I'm absolutely thrilled with it. Actually just had somebody from South Africa complete it and got to congratulate them. So it's just, it's a great, great feeling. That's so cool. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So in the world of continuing education, accountants and auditors and investigators, we often group ethics and fraud together, which I always found this interesting because yes, I have an accounting background, but like I would be focusing on fraud investigations. And then they added this ethics component, you know, as part of the CFE designation, but yet we're studying fraud all the time. Then I would go to an accounting group and they would say, oh, we always study fraud in our ethics presentation. So that's just interesting. We do like to group ethics and fraud together. 
if we're going to study ethics, we study fraud. So why do you think that is? And what makes ethics, trainings, and fraud go hand in hand? Sure. Yeah, I, we totally do that. I love that you you put those two things together because, you know, sometimes I feel like I could easily call my presentations fraud presentations. And then I remind myself that ethics is really my passion and, and, and what is the difference? Okay, let's talk about that. So I think that anybody would agree that people that engage in fraud are being unethical, right? So yeah. that is kind of why they go hand in hand. But what really intrigues me more about ethics is that you, you know, with ethics, you can take it a little further and say not all unethical behavior is fraud. So just for example, you know, that little white lie you tell to get out of going somewhere to help a friend maybe, or I always say, you know, when my husband tells me I look really good in that dress, right? <laughs> so he might be being unethical, but he's, of course, he's not committing fraud. And some would say he's not even being unethical, right? Just kidding. But you get the point. So I think, you know, all the research that I've looked into, unfortunately, shows us that none of us are as ethical as we think we are. And that's really one of the main points I talk about in my presentations. Again, it's that reminder to all of us where we might have a blind spot in our life. And I got that term from another book. I'll let you in on that secret in just a minute too. But, you know, we aren't even aware we have these blind spots. And that's truly, I think, the difference with ethics and fraud is that, you know, we would all sit around and say we would never commit a fraud and, and say we're ethical. But I like to point out those little things where there is a difference mm -hmm. truly in our ethical behaviors. Yeah, and I like that, that in an ethics presentation, in yours at least, you're pointing out the blind spots so that it's kind of a self-check, like, oh, yeah. where are we? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you're currently writing a book, Becoming the Everyday Ethicist. Ethicist? Did I say that right? Ethic. Ethicist. Okay, yes. okay. <laughs> I hadn't said that out loud. Um, so what is this book about? Yes the book. Uh, it's really exciting when you get close to the end of a book. I am, oh. I'm in that spot right now and I cannot wait for it to be done and out uh, for everybody. But the book really focuses on three major areas where I think ethics come into play in our lives. And that is personally, so personal ethics, where do our values come from? What should our core values be and look like? And then in leadership roles is the second piece. Who are those in life that have had those unswerving ethics that we should and could take the lead from? So I give lots of examples of that. I have a, a great section on women in ethical leadership positions and lots of good examples to follow. And then the last piece, a real true section in the book is on organizational ethics. So obviously I'm an auditor at heart uh, and I like to teach auditors how to look at culture. So this piece really goes into how important culture is to an organization's success. What can we all do as individuals to influence it? Of course, using our personal and leadership ethics that we talked about earlier in the book. There is this bonus chapter that I just actually added to the end of the book called Total Ethical Auditing. So obviously you now know about total quality auditing and total quality auditing starts with a point of focus on ethics. And so it, to me, it was only a fit to expand that to say, 
how can auditors really audit culture, really look at ethics? I actually say that they should be more like fraud examiners. So you'll like that, Leah. <laughs> and uh, more like investigative journalists. I did an entire blog on why auditors need to be more like investigative journalists. We need to be getting in front of these headlines. You know, whether it's unethical behavior or it's fraud, I, you know, I want us to get out there first and find the issues. I think in too many of these scandals I'm reading about, someone says, where were the auditors? And truly it's my goal to change that. So that's where this kind of total ethical auditing came in and how we can get in front of some of these frauds that we're seeing in the news. So those are yeah. the main sections of the book. Sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, that's, that sounds great. So to be able to put together a book like this, what type of research have you done in the past or even now while working on this new book that have formed your thoughts and trainings in these areas? Oh gosh, yes. I literally could sit here and credit so many authors and researchers for helping me get started because I absolutely love to read books. So that is, that's really where anything that sparks an idea for me comes from another book. So there was lots of, of credit to be given. Really my main CPE presentation was always on ethics, was always called the everyday ethicist. And it had three main sections. And those three sections I call all of our character choices in life. So the three sections are this term called the big me, the second section is the ethical rationalizer, which we get to talk more about blind spots. And then the third section was the everyday ethicist. So, you know, to credit where each of those came from real quick is the big me was termed by David Brooks, who, if you don't know, wrote this amazing book called The Road to Character. And I love to give him full credit because um, his book really just opened my eyes to how modern culture has lost its way, perhaps. We're not teaching our new generations this path to character building. So he actually dives into a great set of past historical characters, Francis Perkins, Dorothy Day, Dwight Eisenhower, George Marshall, so many others. And he shows how they truly took a stand on their beliefs. They made thoughtful decisions, not impulsive ones. They overall, they really sacrificed their personal ambition to meet the needs and the morals of society. And he contrasts that to today, where he says, today's culture, we're more selfish, narcissistic. We live in a very materialistic culture. He also even says we're more isolated, self-absorbed, and less able to engage in moral reasoning. And that mm. line just totally gets me every time. We'll be right back to this interview. With everything moving to an online platform, the Workman Forensics team has created the Investigation Game Virtual Experience. The game has been created, tested, tested again, and approved for two hours of CPE credits. To find out if the game works for you and your team, visit theinvestigationgame.com. Welcome back to the podcast. I really latched onto this this theory. And I started watching for what I call big me's in the news. And this is any fraud story that you've heard about, right? A lot of unethical scandals out there. Just think about Wells Fargo and the 5,300 big me employees that were involved in opening fraudulent customer accounts. You know, they were incentivized to 
to put more money in their pocket. And that's where I, I started. I think that's where fraud and ethics really come together for me because this whole section of my presentation really points out either fraud characters or you could call them this big me personality. So anyway, that's really what, what got me interested in, in ethics first is, okay, I could really kind of take this and, and run with it. Then I read more about ethics. So this is where the cool blind spots book comes in. Max Bazerman and Ten Sprenzel, to give them credit, great book called Blind Spots. I realized that it isn't just this big me mentality doing all the dirty work. We all play this really small part. And this is where I get to tell everybody they're not as ethical as they think they are. We, I know, right? This is the scary part. We rationalize our behavior. This is what I call the ethical rationalizer character choice. We hold one belief and we simultaneously act contrary to it. It can be as simple as if the cashier forgot to ring up an item in your cart, we rationalize not going back in because it only costs $5 or this big store won't miss that money, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's lots of little examples and it, it led me to this overall concept that we need to be more ethical every day, even in the little things that seem really inconsequential. And that's where truly becoming the everyday ethicist came up. And so I actually have an everyday ethicist contract that I give out in my trainings. And again, it just serves as that reminder, like you said, to say, you know, this is who we all want to be. This is honestly who we all think we are. So it's just getting that back to our forefront of our mind and, and really thinking about all of our actions. Right. Your um, example reminded me during quarantine, I didn't have a whole lot of time to watch shows, but last week I took a couple of days off. And so I watched some of uh, the TV show, Good Girls. Have you seen this? I have not seen that one. I think it's ABC, but your story just kind of reminds me uh, that example you know, about like what led up to the trailers to, or the previews for the show showed them like robbing a store and uh -huh. just all of the uh, struggle that they have with living this life, but then at the same time trying to take care of other things in their lives. Anyway, it's definitely a very ethical struggle going on the entire show. Yeah, you know, that's one of the comments I've gotten after some of my trainings is you don't realize how much ethics comes into play in your yeah. life, you know, really in, in every day, if you really pay attention, it comes up more than you think you would. And I think that word ethics scares people. So, you know, I've moved to a little bit talking more about character and building our character. Actually, in my second book, I talk about um, building impeccable character is what I call mm -hmm. it. So, you know, I think it, it's just a matter of how you think about ethics and I love that you and I both have ethics programs that make ethics more fun to get those yes. things to eat. So. <laughs> yes, because when I, I, yes, whenever you said the word ethics scares people, whenever I think of the word ethics, I just think about that two hours at the end of a, you know, like a chapter training at, or uh, seminar, and they just tell us more fraud stories. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It makes ethics fun or sexy, right? Uh, yeah. Is the, the F word, the fraud word. So, yeah. you know, absolutely. That's where they come, they come hand in hand, but yeah. So you, you, you have written several books. So what inspired you to start writing? It's just, it's a fantastic outlet 
for your thoughts. I think I've been writing since I was probably three, two. No, maybe a little bit after that. But, you know, I was writing short blogs. I was writing articles for publications. And of course, you know, you're writing when you are giving a presentation, right? You write the narrative that goes along with the presentation. So I was doing this all the time. So really it was, why not just put it all together in a book? So really, truly, the books have come directly from my favorite internal audit, personal development and ethics CPE programs. So, you know, it's kind of nice, you know, to have those three core programs and three core, you know, books. I have a book and a workbook to go along with each of them. So I Mm -hmm. love being able to bring those to trainings with me, right? Or now I'm actually emailing the ebook and the e-workbook ahead of time, but it gives those participants something to take home with them, right? To keep either on their shelves or to have handy to refer back to. I think that, you know, from my 15, 16 years of doing CPE training, the ones I remember the most are the ones I got to take away something from. So, um, you know, that was a huge goal of mine to, you know, actually make those programs come to life in those books and those workbooks. So that's why I started it. Yeah, that's great. I'm trying. Yeah, that's great. I'm trying to, I'll have these like moments where I'm like, oh, I just want to go write down all of these words. And then I sit down at my desk in the office and a billion other things happen. I'm like, oh, so I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to carve out that time to get some of my thoughts down. So take some, some dedication to blocking your calendar for sure. Yes. Which I have got to get. Yes. Which I have got to get better at. All right. So let's circle back to the total quality auditing. Will you tell us about this book and the course and how the program works? And ultimately, who is the professional or organization that benefits most from this program? Right. Because it's, it is total quality auditing. And again, it's all from those successful TQM, total quality management concepts that many of us already knew, but maybe just needed, again, that refresher on. And I took the 14 kind of core principles of TQM and I built them into six points of focus for auditors. So how can we be a better auditor for our organization, bring that extra value. I took things like focusing on the quality of our service that we provide, our internal audit service, but looking at it through the eyes of the customer. So really focusing on what do our organizations need? I call them our customers. It's really every stakeholder to an organization. But you know, how can internal auditors focus on the high risks, the right risks at the organization, the critical processes and strategies at the organization. And then we talk about how we can do that. We talk about um, one of the points of focus is all about being lean. What are those lean techniques we can use in auditing? I take a ton of Six Sigma tools and I kind of reworked them to be internal audit tools. How we can, you know, not have our organizations hire those really expensive consultants to come in, but instead use us inside the organization to make the organization better. So really the point was when I left my traditional internal audit career, I I felt like auditors were getting lost in that traditional approach to auditing, just being the bad cop at the organization. Right. They were really losing sight of that value they could actually bring to the table. Or some of the most knowledgeable, experienced, certified individuals within our organizations. And it was really time to 
to bring everyone back to that and um, get their sights on that consulting value they can add at the organization. So, you know, it, it's been amazing. The response has been so great. And like I said, that uh, creating the certified total quality auditor, I never thought I'd be out there creating a designation, but it, it made perfect sense. And I have seen so many people say this, what a great thing to put on your resume because mm -hmm. management and organizations, they know TQM concepts, especially if you work in a manufacturing organization. And so saying, Hey, I've taken these concepts that you know, and I'm applying them to audit. It's just really getting people more respect at their organization and just really getting them out there. And I've, I've just loved it. I've absolutely loved the feedback. So it's been fun. <laughs> that's really cool. And you probably sense my that's really cool on that one. So. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yes. I just have seen this in my own, you know, whenever I started my practice because of my background, I was like trying to stop the bad guys. And like, that was kind of how our firm thought. Yeah. And even our website back then was like dark gray and yellow. And so, you know, and the PR professional I had at the time said, this is kind of like caution tape. And yeah. I'm like, oh, you're right. Anyway, so after working through a few things, I realized, wait a second, we don't come into this office every day to stop bad guys. We just find money for people. And by making that switch, how it became a much more not that it was a bad work environment, but just knowing that we could come in every day and we're going to help people do something that will improve their lives, not that negative approach of stopping a bad guy. And then you got to decide what's good and what's bad, you know, just lots of other things. And so it like changed the whole feeling. Like it became yeah. a, just a much more positive. What we were doing was helping people and we weren't just helping people by stopping bad. We were actually like empowering people. So that's what I like about how you've explained your total quality auditor, that it's not about just being the bad cop, but these are ways that you can make that organization that you're working with better. And like, and yeah. you know, one of my favorite things to say is that we leave something better than we found it. And so that sounds like what you've explained there. My favorite tagline, I think, in the entire book or presentation is let's stop catching and start coaching. Yes. Uh, it's good. That, you know, that. Yes, that's uh, good. That to do. We, we need to be more of the coach or the consultant at organizations. And, and like you said, empower and help people and, and bring that positive versus the negative. So, right. Nobody, yeah. nobody likes, nobody, yeah. nobody likes feeling like they have somebody in their organization who's just giving them a bunch of red X's, you know? That's so right. I know it. <laughs> let's talk about your other book, Our Choices on the Road of Life. Because I found myself loving doing personal development CPE programs. And of course, just wanted to put some structure again around that. So I put my thoughts into a book and a workbook. And it too, because I think six is my favorite number, has six points of focus. And they're not really points of focus, but they're choices that I think we all have in life. And just to go through this six really quick, I think we choose how to embrace adversity. So really adversity and challenge is the first choice that I say we have, how we face that. The second one is how we choose to develop ourselves. 
how we do these professional education courses. How do we work on in improving ourselves each and every day? Mm -hmm. The third one, of course, is that choosing impeccable character that I mentioned earlier, because of course I had to include that section on ethics in the book. The fourth one you'll probably appreciate quite a bit because it's choosing to have an ownership mindset. And so I always say you don't have to own a business to act like an owner. You know, I do this in TQA as well as in this Our Choices program where I, I ask the individuals to think about how they would act differently if they actually owned the business that they work mm -hmm. in. So, you know, for auditors, think of yourself not as a cost center anymore. Think of, you know, you're not a cost, you're a benefit to the organization. Think of yourself as being hired in as an outside firm. You know, if you own right. your job, you're going to treat it a whole lot differently, you know? And, and so I, I really love this concept of having an ownership or an entrepreneurial mindset, even if you're in a corporate job. So we talk a lot about that one. And then the last two, the, the fifth one is how to choose to be a genuine leader. I think um, it really was hard to pick a adjective to put in front of leader because there's so many out there. But to me, genuine, just really every different leadership book that I read, to me, it came down to let's, let's be ourselves. And there's some great, I have a genuine leadership checklist mm -hmm. on, you know, are you truly being true to yourself and to those around you when you lead? Um, so that's that piece. And then lastly, it's all about habits. And I take the approach to habits that uh, James Clear does in Atomic Habits by really describing to everybody that I think we have a choice on building the identity that we want. And then we can build our habits to associate with that identity. So the easy example there is, hey, if I want to be an athlete, I'm going to start working out and eating right and doing those habits that really support that identity. So I have everybody step back and create the identity they want first and then kind of develop those habits and fill their lives with those habits that fulfill that identity. So it's just a, a different way of looking about how we could choose our habits and our life. So that's that book in a nutshell too. Man, everything's just so, man, everything's just so packed. I love it. Like just so packed with. Yes, it's, it's just great. So one other thing I wanted to talk about that you have built are your CPE trainings, but specifically, I mean, I followed you for a while on LinkedIn and, and stuff, but I didn't know until I was prepping for this podcast that you had these book club webinars that count as CPE. So I want to know more about this virtual book club. It's my, it's my favorite thing these days. Like I said before, I love reading books and I say this is for everyone that doesn't have time to read those books on their shelves, you know, those ones collecting dust. Yeah. <laughs> so what I do is I read the books and then I give a summary of the tools, the tips, the techniques within that book. So it can be on any field of study, really. I have done ones, definitely have done ones on fraud and ethics. I also just do personal development, lots of leadership books. If you actually on my website, you can actually go to cpebookclub.com and you can see all of the books that we've done. I've got the book cover up there. And it's just fun because I just get to give people usually one CPE credit for listening to a 50 minute webinar on 
a great book. And so it's been different. I don't think anybody else out there is doing anything like this, but it's been good to bring more into my CPE programs because I find, you know, even doing an our choices training or a total quality auditing training, I can then say, Hey, I just did this webinar on X book and I get to kind of bring in these side stories. So to me, it's, it's a good way to keep up on my research on, you know, my training materials, because I'm always bringing in new stuff from this new stuff I'm reading and presenting. So it keeps me on my toes. I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a lot of reading. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, that's a lot of reading. <laughs> Challenged, which is good. Um, so yeah. there's definitely no laziness going on here. So <laughs> yeah. So what training? Yeah. So what training events do you have coming up? Hopefully you mentioned Kelly Paxton earlier on, on here. I'm hoping the next CPE book club is going to be with Kelly. She's going to help me talk about Dan Ariely's book. Oh, great. Uh, the, yeah, the honest truth about dishonesty uh, or the truth about dishonesty. So um, that's probably the next book club webinar. If anybody wants to get on that list, who would be the first to hear about it? All you have to do is text CPE to 66866. And that actually just gets you on the list. I don't email a lot. I only email truly when there's the next CPE book club or CPE opportunity coming up. So that's hopefully the next book club webinar coming up. And then I actually, tomorrow, I'm getting ready for a two-day virtual event uh, for the Charlotte chapter of the Institute of Internal Auditors. I, and the program I'm doing is Your Road, Your Choices. So really, it's based on our choices on the Road of Life book and workbook. But what I'm going to do is go through and talk about the choices each one of those six choices, both personally and professionally. So for, for instance, for adversity, I have this four-step process for any individual to embrace adversity and choose to embrace that adversity. And then we're going to actually dive into some examples of ad adversity organizations have faced and how we as internal auditors can help them also to embrace learn from and perhaps be more proactive regarding adversity. So I like um, taking that one, you know, personal development book and really taking that side professional internal auditors, what can we do spin to each one of those choices. So I am super excited. It's two days. Um, we're going to do four hours each day. And I'm really excited to do this uh, with that chapter tomorrow. So yeah, that's great. I was going to ask. Oh my God, that's great. I was going to ask. Oh my goodness, 16 hours, but okay, you're breaking it. Okay, no, we're doing, we're breaking okay. it. Of course, supposed to be there in person for one yeah. eight hour day. And I have found, you know, that's a long time for people to sit on a webinar, right? So yes. we are, we break it up. Actually, when I do them, I do two hours before lunch, give an hour break for lunch, and then we do two hours after lunch. So oh, yeah, that's uh, it, yeah, it makes for um, an easier couple days of training for sure. And no, no uh, Zoom fatigue. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. These are so many fun things. And, and I did want to just kind of circle back around to whenever I asked you about the research you had performed and then like all of these books, what I love about this is that you've created all of these things after taking like a series of steps and research and then I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of just jumping in and creating these things when I think a lot of times looking at writing a book or even starting a podcast or any type of CPE, it's like, oh, well, I don't have enough experience doing X. 
not only did you have experience, but also you're constantly learning, which is then giving you the content and knowledge and thoughts to then go and create all these things. And so I really love it. And I appreciate everything you have created. I absolutely loved doing your investigation game virtually. Oh, thank you. Um, so thank you for inviting me to do that. If you awesome. guys haven't done that, oh my gosh, you have to do that with Leah. It was so much fun. And it actually, it, for me, you know, I talk, I teach about fraud and ethics, but to actually get in and do one again and to investigate myself. I, I loved it. And again, I think it's things like that that keep me relevant. So I appreciate you kind of bringing me back to the reality of what a, a fraud investigation would really look like. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it, it was. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was a good time. And that beta test was really helpful. So I'm appreciative of your time working through that with us yeah. as we had to quickly convert you know, a card game, an actual <laughs> card game to a virtual experience, but you are so, oh, <laughs> which we all have to be today. We do. Thanks. And we can be, that's we do. And we can be, that's what I love yeah. telling people is that we can be, we can solve any problem. So, well, thanks so much for joining me today. And what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Follow me on LinkedIn if you're interested. That's my, you know, that's my go-to definitely from a social media perspective. I don't, I don't really do Twitter or uh, anything else. So Amanda Joe Irvin, Joe is in quotes on there or email me anytime. If anybody has any questions, my website's auditconsultingeducation.com. But I also have, like I mentioned, cpebookclub.com, totalqualityauditing.com. You can find me just about any way like that or email me. It's just joe, J-O, at auditconsultingeducation.com. So I would love to be in connection or in contact with any of your listeners. Awesome. And just for our listeners. Awesome. And just for our listeners to know, a reminder that all of Joe's contact information will be listed in the show notes. So once again, thank you, Joe, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. The Investigation Game podcast is a production of Workman Forensics. For more information about the topics we discuss on each episode, please visit workmanforensics.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also connect with us on any of the social media platforms by searching Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas for the podcast, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com.